Well, before I start this sermon, I just wanted to say something about it, actually, because I read through a book quite a few years ago called Victory Over the Darkness, and it was written by a man named Neil T. Anderson, and as I read one of the chapters, it's like God took some teaching from the scriptures and just took it off the page and really impacted my heart with it, and that's the reason why I put this sermon together today, and it's to give you the blessing that I actually received in those things. And with this sermon, it's something which I just don't share with you guys, I actually share it with myself too. So I'd like to open up in a word of prayer and we'll get into it. Heavenly Father, Lord God, we just thank you so much that you are a good and awesome God, that you love us, Lord. You desire the best for us, Lord. You want us to walk in righteousness and truth, Lord to be godly people, to be people that are identified by you. And we just pray, Lord, that your spirit would minister to each one of our hearts this morning. And I pray, Lord, that you'd fill me with your spirit, Lord, and help me to speak your word in a good way, in a way that is a blessing, Lord, to our souls, Lord. And I just pray, Lord, that you would build us up in the faith and help us to be more and more like you and drawn closer to you. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Well, today I want to speak to you on the subject of godliness. Because the greatest life that a Christian can live is a life of godliness. The most happy and blessed times for a believer in Christ is to have a clean conscience before God, to have a close relationship with Jesus Christ, and to be filled with the Holy Spirit. But when a believer sins... It brings sadness into his life. It brings shame. It brings guilt. And sin actually gives place to the devil. And the devil gets a foothold in the believer's life and leads the believer down the path of confusion and deception and doubt. And in times like these, what a believer needs is to actually come to the Lord Jesus and repent and find life in the Lord. There are many traps that a believer can be caught up in. Traps like self-righteousness, where you can believe that you can be righteous without God. Traps like liberality, where you believe that you're free to do whatever sin you want because Jesus died for your sins, or believing that you have a license to sin, which isn't in the Bible. Legalism, where one believes that rules and regulations make someone godly. But these deceptions, they're ungodly because they take the central focus away from Christ. And they replace it with self and the sinful nature. For self and the sinful nature can never produce the righteousness of God. Some people can fall in the deception of believing or trying to produce imitation fruit. And they do this by knowledge and good works to cover up their sin. I mean, knowledge and good works can sometimes replace someone's relationship with Christ. And such things as these may deceive people around us, but they never deceive God. God is never deceived by these things. For God knows our heart, he knows our motives, he knows our mind, he knows our action. And God loves us too much to leave us in a deceived state. I believe that the most blessed life for a believer is to love and obey the Lord. To walk by faith. To trust the promises of God and to know their identity in Christ, 
and to be filled with the Holy Spirit. So today's sermon is called Your Identity in Christ. Because the reason why it's called that is because we need to know who we are in Christ. Because who you are is how you will live. And the outline of today's sermon is this. The first point is the identity that Christ gave you at the cross. Because when Jesus went to the cross, he didn't just die for our sins and rise from the dead to save us. He came to give us an identity where we can overcome our sins and walk in true righteousness. The second point is acknowledging your identity in Christ. Because a lot of people don't accept what Jesus has done for them. They might say, oh yes, Jesus died for my sins, Jesus has forgiven me. But accepting who they are in Christ is of great importance. Because who you are is how you will be. And the third point is this, not living according to your old identity. Because before we were saved, we were in Adam, separated from God and in sin. And sometimes we live according to our sinfulness and not according to God's righteousness and in God's ways. And we need to learn not to live in those ways. So our first point is this, the identity that Christ gave you at the cross. I just want you to imagine for a second that one day you woke up behind a group of shops. You were beaten and bruised from the night before. And you start to rub the back of your head and there's a lump there. And you realize something, that there's something wrong. And someone runs up to you and asks you, are you okay? Can I take you home? And then you realize you've lost your memory. So you feel for your pockets to find your wallet to see who you are and it's gone. And you realize you've forgotten who you are. You realize you've got amnesia. And at that time, what is the most important thing in your life? Well, the most important thing in your life at that time is your identity. Because knowing who you are tells you where you belong. It tells you how you live your life. Your identity answers the question of who is your father? Or who are your family? Where is your home? What is your purpose? What do you do for work? The most important thing in life when you lose your memory is your identity. But today... Many Christians don't know their identity in Christ. They walk through life not knowing who they truly are and what God's purpose is for their life. They have something called spiritual amnesia. And the reason why many Christians have spiritual amnesia is because we're born into a world where we are separated from God. We're not united with him when we're born into this world. We're born separated in sin and need of salvation. And then when we get saved, we don't know what the fullness of salvation really is. We don't understand what salvation is all about. In Philippians chapter 2, verses 12 through to 13, it says this. It says, Work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you, both to will and to do, for his good pleasure. So it's the Christian's responsibility to work out his salvation. Like if I was to take a blackboard and write on it, 10 plus 10 equals, you'd be looking at the first 10, you'd add it to the second 10 and you'd write the word 20 because you'd work out the sum. And the same way that you would work out this sum, you need to work out your salvation. You need to understand how salvation fits together, to get it together like a jigsaw puzzle so that you get a full picture 
of what Christ has done for you at the cross. I mean, in Ephesians chapter 1, verses 17 through to 20, the Apostle Paul prays this for the Ephesians. He says this, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, that the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what the hope of his calling, what are the riches of his glory, of his inheritance in the saints, and what is the exceeding greatness of his power towards us who believe, according to the working of his mighty power, which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly places. And the reason why the Apostle Paul prays for the Ephesians' eyes to be enlightened is because there are still blessings of salvation that they need to understand. There are blessings that they need to experience and gifts that they actually need to unwrap and actually have in their lives. For Jesus didn't just die to give us hell insurance. Salvation is much bigger than that. Jesus died and rose from the dead so that we could have a new identity in him. And what I want to speak to you about right now is five identity blessings for those in Christ. And if you have trusted in Jesus Christ, these belong to you. They're yours, right? Not because of the work that you've done, but because of what Jesus did at the cross. Because Jesus loves you. He died on the cross for your sins. He rose from the dead and he has given you this identity as a blessing. And the first blessing of our identity is that you are a child of God. In John chapter 1, verse 12, it says, But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, to those that believe in his name. Now, when we first trusted in Jesus, we became children of God. God became our spiritual father and we became his children. We became born again. We received second birth and became a part of God's family. We received a new nature that gives us the power and the right to fellowship with God. So the first part of your identity, if you've trusted in Christ to be saved, is that you are a child of God. You have a new family. You have a father and brothers and sisters in Christ and a new nature. So Jesus died and rose from the dead to make you a child of God. And this is something that we need to accept. For if we have spiritual amnesia to being a child of God, we walk through life like an orphan, a spiritual orphan that's separated from God. We don't acknowledge ourselves as being a part of God's family and we probably don't even acknowledge ourselves for having brothers and sisters in Christ. So remember, Jesus died to make you a child of God and you are a member of God's family and that is the first blessing. The second blessing of your identity in Christ is this. You are redeemed. In Titus 2.14, it talks about Jesus and it says this, who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from every lawless deed and purify for himself his own special people, zealous for good works. Now, redemption means to be bought back from sin. It means to be set free from the slavery of sin. I mean, Jesus said in John chapter 8, 
verses 34 through to 36. He said this. He said, Most assuredly I say to you, whoever commits sin is a slave of sin, and a slave does not abide in the house forever. Therefore, if the Son makes you free, you shall be free indeed. For redemption is about being freed from the slavery of sin, which masters our lives. And allowing Jesus to set us from, free from the sins which are in our lives, which easily ensnare us in our everyday walk. So the second part of your identity is that you are redeemed. You, can, you are free from the mastery of sin. You don't have to live your life any longer as a slave of sin. When a person forgets that they are redeemed, this is what they do, even as a Christian. They present themselves willingly to their sinful nature and become mastered by sin. Redemption is there so that you acknowledge that you don't have to be ruled by your sin. And what you need to understand is that you can have a redeemed life by trusting the redemption that Christ won for you at the cross. Where God actually teaches you as a father, where he leads you in the truth, and he teaches you through his word and through his spirit. So remember that the second part of your identity is that you are redeemed. You don't have to be a slave of sin anymore. Now the third blessing I want to share with you is propitiation. And propitiation is a big word, and I'll explain what it means before I read the verse. Propitiation means two things. The first thing it means is this, that the wrath of God was appeased. That's what it means. Because Jesus died for our sins at the cross, he rose from the dead, the wrath of God has been appeased. And the second thing it means is that Christ has taken away our sins. It means two things. And this is the verse which I want to share with you, is Romans chapter 3, verse 25. And it says this, Whom God set forth as a propitiation by his blood, through faith, to demonstrate his righteousness, because in his forbearance, God had passed over the sins previously committed. Now what does it mean that God passed over sins previously committed? Well, in Psalm 130, verse 3, this is what it says. It says, If you, Lord, should mark inequity, O Lord, who could stand? In other words, if God was to count our sins against us, who could stand in his judgment? And the answer is this, no one can. You cannot stand in God's judgment. You'd be completely without hope if God counts your sins against you. But what God did was the most merciful act towards us. He showed a wonderful love which we don't deserve. In 2 Corinthians 5.19, it says this, that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not imputing or counting their trespasses to them. So God did not count our sins against us, but counted them against Christ. Propitiation is there to show you that sin is once and for all dealt with, that the wrath of God is appeased and our sins are taken away, and God is not counting our sins against us. When a Christian forgets propitiation, they look at God as a wrathful God, 
that God is just wrathful towards them and angry all the time. They forget that God has taken away their sins. And they, don't, they see him as unapproachable. And they fall into the lie that God will never, ever forgive them. And that he will be angry with them forever. But accepting propitiation is acknowledged that Jesus has appeased the wrath of God at the cross. That Jesus died for all of our sins to take away the wrath of God. So the third blessing of your identity in Christ is this. You are propitiated. The wrath of God is taken away because Jesus suffered it at the cross and your sins are taken away. Now the fourth blessing of your identity in Christ is you are reconciled to God. Right? Being born in sin left us separated and alienated from God. But being reconciled, it means this. It means that the relationship between us and God is repaired. It's fixed. We can now go to God through Jesus Christ. In Romans 5.10, it says this. For when we were still enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son. Much more being reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. So now we can have a relationship with God and we're no longer enemies of God. We have peace with God and he actually loves us and we can love him in return. We can enjoy having God in our lives, knowing that God is for us and God actually wants to be in our lives. So embrace your relationship with God. For when you forget that you're reconciled to God, your fellowship becomes less and less. Reconciliation is there so that you approach God and have fellowship with him that you realise that you are accepted and that you are welcome. Jesus said in John 6, verse 37, All that the Father gives me will come to me, and the one who comes to me I'll by no means cast out. So have confidence to come to the Lord in prayer, to worship him and have fellowship with him, to spend time in his word, and let God talk to you through the Bible. You are accepted in Christ and reconciled to God. So the fourth blessing of your identity is that you are reconciled. You are reconciled to God. And here is the fifth blessing of your identity. There's many other blessings that we can look at. I only picked five. But the fifth one is this, is that you have an inheritance in heaven waiting for you. And that is very important to look at. You have an inheritance. In Ephesians chapter 1, verses 13 through to 14, it says this, In him you also trusted, after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also having believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, who is the guarantee of our inheritance, until the redemption of the purchased possession to the praise of his glory. We actually have an inheritance in heaven waiting for us. And what that is, is the completion of our salvation. At this moment, we experience the blessings which Jesus gives to us by faith. For when we trust in the blessings, we actually live out the identity that he gives to us. But we'll have a fullness of salvation at glorification where we have no more death in us. There is no more sinful nature. 
Now we are declared righteous, but when we are glorified, we'll be completely righteous, body, soul, and spirit. We won't sin anymore. That's the big blessing of glorification and our inheritance in Christ. I mean, for God, he has actually a good plan for us who believed. In Ephesians chapter 1, verses 3 and 4, it says this, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ, just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy, without blame, and before him in love. So we are blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenlies in Christ Jesus. That's what it says in the Bible. God has not shortchanged us in any way. He has not left us in need. He has not left us in want. His plan for us in Christ is to be holy. And holy means to be set apart by him. Holy means to be called a saint. And holy means that God views you as a most holy thing. It also says without blame, meaning to be without blemish and fault. And it also says in Ephesians that we will be before him in love. And what that means is this, before him face to face in a glorified body, as Christians, we have a heavenly home. Now remember, our inheritance tells us this, that the world is temporal. And the inheritance that we have from Christ is actually everlasting. When we forget our inheritance, when we forget that we have a heavenly home, and when we forget that our citizenship is in heaven, we become caught up in an earthly focus and we go after worldly pursuits. In the Bible, it says this in 1 John chapter 2, verses 15 through to 17. It says, Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but of the world. And the world is passing away, and the lusts of it. But he who does the will of God abides forever. So remember, you have an inheritance in heaven. You're just passing through this world. Don't get caught up in worldliness or have a an earthly focus as the central focus of your life. Eternity is our finish line to this earth. Amen. The earth, everything in it, it's temporal. It's passing away, so live for the Lord. So the fifth part of your identity is that you have an inheritance in heaven waiting for you. You have a future hope. Which brings us to our second point, which is smaller points than the first one. And the second point is this, acknowledging your identity in Christ. I'll just say that again, acknowledging your identity in Christ. One problem that Christians have is accepting who they are in Christ. Sometimes we don't live according to our, the identity that Christ gave us. We live according to our old identity of sin, worldliness and ungodliness. So what is our identity in Christ? Well, if you've trusted in Christ to be saved, this is what you can say. You can say this. You can say, I am a child of God. God is my Father and I am His. I am redeemed. I am set free from the slavery of sin. Sin is not my master. 
so I don't need to obey sin. I am propitiated. My sins are taken away. God does not count my sins against me. I am forgiven. I am reconciled to God. I can have a relationship with God and God wants to be, know me and be in my life. I have an inheritance waiting for me. I am blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. God has a perfect plan for my life. I am holy, I am a saint, and I am holy to God. I have a future with God where I will be glorified, blameless, and before Him in love. I am declared righteous, so I am righteous. And that's found in Romans 3.25. It even says in the Bible that I am the temple of God, God lives in me, and I am God's. And that's in 1 Corinthians 3.16. It also says that I am secure in Christ and nothing can separate me from the love of God. And that's Romans chapter 8, verses 38 and 39. And since I am who I am through Christ who gave me the new identity, therefore I can be who God wants me to be through Christ. I can live out my new identity by faith in Christ. So what you need to do is accept who you are in Christ. One of the problems with Christians is they don't identify themselves according to the identity that Christ gave them. Instead, they identify themselves according to their old nature. They forget that they are a child of God. They see themselves as a sinful sinner instead of a saint who sins. They present themselves to sin and become willingly a slave to sin. Instead of taking faith in their redemption and living a life free from sin, they become mastered by their sin. They forget that God took away their sin and start to believe a lie. They believe that God holds their sin against them and he will not forgive them. That instead of living a reconciled life where they have a relationship with God, they stray from God's presence. They feel unworthy, sinful and ashamed. And they don't look forward to their inheritance in heaven because they think there's only one thing waiting for them, which is God's judgment. And when a Christian falls into this trap, what the devil does is he takes advantage of him. He tempts him to sin, then shames him for sinning, and he blinds his eyes to his identity in Christ. And the reason why the devil does this is because he is in the business of attacking Christ's work. Because Christ accomplished a work at the cross. And that work at the cross that he accomplished was actually giving us an identity. And since the devil can't undo our salvation or reverse the work of Christ at the cross, his tactic is to blind you from the identity that you have in Christ so that you don't trust in Christ to have victory or live a victorious life. And this brings us to our third point. Not living according to your old identity. So what does the Bible say about not living according to your old identity? And this is the identity that you had before you were saved. Turn in your Bibles to 2 Corinthians Chapter 5, verses 15 and 16. That is 2 Corinthians, chapter 5, verses 15 and 16. 2 Corinthians, chapter 5, verse 15 and 16. And he died for all, that those who should live, live should, those who live should, no long, 
should live no longer for themselves, but for him who died for them and rose again. Therefore, from now on, we regard no one according to the flesh. And I just stop there. Now, I want to speak to you about regarding no one according to the flesh. Because the flesh is the outward appearance of a person, right? It's the covering of a person's body when, we look at it, when I looked it up. So we're not to regard someone according to their appearance, according to their looks, according to their job, according to their status. We're not to regard people of who they, we're to regard people rather of who they are inwardly. The inward identity of an unbeliever is in Adam, a sinner who was enslaved to sin. But the inward identity of a believer in Christ is a saint who was set free from sin. So we no longer regard ourselves according to the flesh. We're not to view ourselves according to the sinful nature. Sometimes, sometimes Christians, they might have a pity party and they'll say such things to themselves. And you might even hear yourself saying some of these words that I'm about to say. Words like this, I am useless. I am worthless. I am hopeless. I wish I was someone else. I'm not worth bothering with. But these are the lies that we tell ourselves when we don't take faith in the truth when we actually forget our identity in Christ. In Christ, you're not useless, you're not worthless, and you're not hopeless. You don't need to wish you were someone else because Jesus Christ gave you a perfect identity at the cross. And you may view yourself as not worth bothering with, but remember this, Jesus died on the cross for your sins. He decided that you're worth bothering with. He made a decision for that in the Garden of Gethsemane. So how should a Christian view themselves? Well, in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, it tells us how to view ourselves. It says this, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. So no longer regard yourself according to your outward appearance. Do not regard yourself according to your sinful nature. Regard yourself as a new creation in Christ, that old things have passed away and all things become new. Christ has made you a new creation. So believe what he's made you. Believe that old things have passed away and live according to it because that's what Jesus has done for us. In Proverbs 23, verse 7, it says this, For as a man thinks in his heart, so he is. So if you go around thinking that you're a dirty, rotten sinner, that you're mastered by sin, and that there's nothing you can do to escape that, how will you live your life? You'll walk around as a defeated person. You'll consider yourself as useless, worthless, and hopeless. And you will forget who you are in Christ. But when you believe by faith the identity that Christ gave you at the cross, how then do you live? You will live as a child of God. You will live a redeemed life from sin. You will live as someone that is set free from sin. You will know that you are right, righteous, holy and set apart by God 
and you will live as a new creation in Christ. So what I want to do at the moment is I just wanted to bring up that slide. Is that able to pop up on the thing? Got a slide because I think it's important for us to acknowledge our identity and we do it together. But I just want to give you a minute to pray because some of you may have had times where you haven't acknowledged yourself according to your identity, that your sinful nature's got the better of you and you just need to confess to God and just ask him to sort out some things in there. So I'm just going to ask you to bow for a minute and just pray and then we'll confess this identity together. So let's just bow our heads and pray, guys, and then I'll call us back. Okay, guys, I'll just call you back right now. Because if you're a child of God, I actually want you to stand up. We're going to read out our, our identity in Christ. We're just going to confess it before the Lord because this is something that he's given us at the cross. And it's something that we want to accept. And I'll share with you something. When I, when I first did this and first went through this and understand it, like I understood I was a child of God, but there's a difference between understanding it and saying, do you know what, I accept it. So there's times in my life where I struggled to actually call God Father. There was times in my life where I did not understand that I was righteous by faith. There was times in my life where I did not always understand certain things like propitiation and that. But as we learn more and more about what Jesus did for us, we start to understand our identity in Christ. So let us stand up and we'll read it out together, guys. And we're going to start with this one. If you've trusted in Christ and you're saved, you can say this. We're all ready, guys? I am a child of God. God is my Father and I am His. I am redeemed. I am set free from the slavery of sin. Sin is not my master, so I don't need to obey sin. I am propitiated. God has taken away my sins and my punishment. God does not count my sins against me. I am forgiven. I am reconciled to God. I can have a relationship with God. God wants to be in my life. I have an inheritance in heaven waiting for me. I have a home in heaven. I will be glorified, fully righteous, with no sin nature. I am blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. God has a perfect plan for my life. I am holy, I am a saint, and I am holy to God. I have a future with God where I will be blameless and before him in love. I am declared righteous by God, so I am righteous. Romans 3.25 I am the temple of God, God lives in me, and I am God's. 1 Corinthians 3.16 I am secure in Christ, and nothing can separate me from the love of God. Romans 8.38-39 I am not the great I am, but I am who I am through Christ who gave me a new identity. Therefore, I can be who God wants me to be through Christ. I can live out my new identity through faith in Jesus Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit. If God is for me, who can be against me? Amen. Amen. Always remember, guys, God is on your side.
He is for you and desires the best for you and he's prepared the best for you. Right? And there's times where we struggle, but we can always come to him. We can always go to him and he will receive us. So let us close in prayer. Heavenly Father, Lord God, we just thank you so much for the love that you have shown us. You have given us things that are far beyond which we can fathom the greatness of what you give because you give better than what we can imagine. We thank you, Lord, that you've prepared something for us, Lord, which we still search and still look at. And as we understand that mystery, we find out the mystery of who you are and who we are in you. And I just pray, O Lord, that you bless everyone here. If anyone is struggling with sin, I pray, Lord, that they would acknowledge their identity in you and be set free. And that they would walk as a child of God in confidence, in love. I pray, Lord, that you'd give us all victory over sin, the world and the devil. And that we would have a heart that wants to shine for you. So I commit this day over to your hands and thank you for your love, your mercy and your goodness and kindness. May your name be blessed forever, O Lord. Amen.